Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. this morning to the book of Exodus chapter 3 and uh, verse number 4 and 5. The book of Exodus chapter 3 verse number 4 and 5. When the Lord saw that he, speaking of Moses, turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Is holy ground. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this gathering today. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for each and every one. To our guests that are here, bless them. Lord Jesus, to our home folks, bless them. To those that watch online, bless them today. God, we pray for your divine provision that you would help me, Lord, speak as you would want it to be said. Lord, to serve my gift, Lord, that gives you glory. In Jesus' name, let everybody say amen. God bless you this morning. You could be seated. I didn't look it up, but I do remember something that was startling. When the Marcos were in power in the Philippines, everybody was discussing, when they were uh, taken out of power, was discussing her collection of, of shoes. Do you remember how many it was? I, I, I want to say hundreds and maybe even thousands, but she had a ton of shoes. And by the time the service is over, somebody's done Googled it and going to find out for sure. But I want to talk to you today about the great shoe exchange. The great shoe exchange. It's hard to imagine life without shoes. I'm reminded of the, of the salesman that went for the shoe company to uh, some company, country way off to, to uh, sell shoes. And, and the first guy said, please bring me home because nobody wears shoes around here. The second salesman went and he said, send me all the shoes that you have because nobody wears shoes around. Shoes are such an important part of our life. And uh, I think about uh, shoes for each occasion. You probably have shoes that you got today that's your Sunday go to meeting shoes, your dress shoes, work shoes. You got your ball shoes and your golf shoes. And, and then you got, some of us got shoes, some of y'all got shoes that are color coordinated that match this outfit and that outfit and this particular purse and that particular purse. Uh, uh, but shoes are very important. They're, they're a part of our 
necessity. It would be very difficult to live without shoes in Indiana. It would be very difficult to live without shoes in Indiana. <clears throat> Some people pay a lot of money for shoes, to have a pair of shoes. And, and if you've got the money, God bless you. You're going to spend a hundreds and hundreds and thousands of dollars on a pair of shoes. God bless you. But if you buy a $300 pair of shoes and you can't afford McDonald's, something might be out of character. The most expensive pair of shoes that have been sold, sold at $660,000. They happen to be the ruby slippers from Judy Garman and the Wizard of Oz that they sold for $660,000. Mr. Henry Nelson McKinney, he was an advertising agent that, who come up with the term sneaker, sneaker. It was a brilliant marketing scheme for this newly invented rubber that they were putting on shoes. He said the rubber soles made the shoes stealth. So he turned them, termed them sneakers. The first pair of sneakers were Keds and were invented in 1917. Sneakers went international in 1923 when a German man made a sneaker and named it after himself. The sneaker is known as Adidas after his name, after his name. He became famous and his shoes became famous as Jesse Owens won four gold medals while wearing his sneakers. Shoes are important, the right kind of shoes. Got to have steel-toed shoes for certain kind of things and they're very significant. I, I, I'm blessed. I got a pair of boots that I wear to work in. I think they're, I'm on year three and, and they're about to be Warren, where I, I need to get some more, but you got to have the right kind of shoe for the right situation, and they bear special significance. When we look at Scripture, the, the shoes become significant as we begin to dive deeper into what they stand for and what the custom was and what the cultural context with which the, the Scripture gives to us certain actions, and today especially related to shoes. We tend to read the Bible with our cultural understanding. So often we rush over a text without pausing to find that there are greater and deeper meanings behind the text. There is beautiful significance in Scripture for one who pulls off their shoe. We often equate the pulling off of the shoe to, to what we used to do uh, uh, years gone by, which I, I was raised to be this way, and, and that is when you walk into a room with the hat on, you take the hat off as a sign of respect. Now, now people just don't do that as much as we used to do it, but it was a sign of respect that you were paying to, to the house, or a man would take his hat and tip it when, when he come before a lady. I, I imagine today if a guy did that, he might offend somebody, but... Uh, uh, th there was significance in that particular mode and, and pulling off one's shoe was, was similar to pulling off their hat as respect or honor when they would come into a place. And I, I look at scripture and I find that there are three significant reasons that one would take off their shoes. Number one, to show honor, to show reverence or respect and also preparation for worship. The writer of Ecclesiastes says in chapter 5 and verse number 1, Keep thy foot when thou goest into the house of God. Be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. 
Do not rush with thy or do not rash with be not rash with thy mouth and let not thy heart be hasty to utter anything before God for God is in heaven and upon earth therefore let thy words be few. So when you come into the house of the Lord consider your feet. Consider your feet. Still today you enter into uh, uh, houses of worship overseas you will find that many of them will take their their shoes off as a sign of respect. It matters how you approach the presence of God. Moses, you're standing on holy ground. Take off your shoes. It's not that the ground itself was holy or because it was made of some unique composition, but because God showed up. Wherever God shows up, it's holy. It's reverent. It's to be sanctified. It was holy because he said it was holy. It was holy because he was burning in the fire of the bush, and the bush was not consumed. The closer you and I get to the presence of the Lord, the nearer we come to God and the nearer we come to purpose and the closer we come to our destiny and the closer we come to what God has for us in our life, we're going to have to honor him in such a way that was depicted as Moses pulling off his shoes because he was on holy ground. The second significance in Scripture was to confess a personal defilement of one's feet. Amen. The Bible says, Who can ascend into the hill of the Lord or stand or stand in his holy place? Washing feet was very important in the culture as well, for they would wait at the door to wash the feet of those who are entering in. And the feet were dirty and defiled, so they had to be clean and taken care of so taking off one's shoe would be representative of I admit my defilement I admit I've got a problem if you're going to come into the presence of the Lord if you're going to come before him one has to have a a repentant heart that says yes I see that I've got a problem here I have an issue the third reason and significant that some would take off their shoe was to do something very important. It was greater than just a reference or tipping the hat or taking off a hat or taking off a shoe to pay respect or homage to where you are. But rather in ancient Israel, setting your shoe on a property, placing your foot on a property with shoes on stated that you were an owner that you were proclaiming, I own this. I'm putting my feet on this, so I put my shoe on it because I own it. I have the right to this property. I have the right to oversee this property. When they would take their shoe off, when they come into the house, they were saying, I don't own this property. This is not my property. Therefore, I submit to the authority of the house. I surrender my right, as it were, to this place. When we find that they would take off their shoe, it was a statement, a sign of placing oneself at the mercy of the host. When we begin to take off, the, Moses took off his shoe, he was saying, you are the authority here, you own this place. You are the one who has the, the authority. So I take off my shoe and I surrender my rights so that you could be Lord in this situation. When you begin to study Scripture, <coughs> you find some interesting things 
about shoes. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse number 5. I'm going to read it from the NIV. I don't think I gave you the scripture, sister. But let me read it from the NIV. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. In the Old Testament, the continuation of family was so important that if a woman married a man who had a brother and that man died, her husband died, his brother was to take this woman to wife. I say that. That could be really awkward. <laughs> it was so that the family line could continue. But if you're the brother and you're looking at your brother's wife and you say, oh no, that is not happening. There was something that you had to do because you were advocating or you were rescinding your rights. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse 7. And if the man like not to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the gate under the elders and say, My husband's brother refuseth to raise up unto his brother a name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of the husband's brother. Then the elders of his city shall call him and speak unto him. And if he stand to it and say, I like not to take her. Again, awkward. Then shall his brother's wife come unto him in the presence of the elders. And look what she would do. Loose his shoe from off his feet and spit in his face. Mm. I guess they had no virus problem then. <laughs> and shall answer and say, Show, So shall it be done unto the man that will not build up his brother's house. And then look at this. His name shall be called in Israel the house of him that hath his shoe loosed. That's your name. We're changing. Everybody's going to call you now the one that had his shoe loosed. The one that had his shoe loose. The removal of the shoe in this instance was a sign that the brother-in-law did not fulfill his obligated right. So he lost his right when the woman pulled his shoe off and spit in his face. It's a very significant moment that he would surrender that particular right. Something that is very near to that and close to that is the story, the romantic story of Ruth and Boaz. Here is where we find the beautiful picture of the near kinsman redeemer. If a family has suffered a loss of their family heritage and land, it was the legal right of the next generation to, or the next of kin rather, to redeem the property and bring it back to the family. Naomi in scripture, lost the family home place. 
Her husband Abimelech had died. Her two sons had died. It was only Naomi and Ruth that was left that had a rightful claim to any of the property, but they needed a close kinsman to redeem that or buy it back. And so the near kinsman had the right of the property and the kinsman could buy back that property and bring it back into family, but he also had to provide for Naomi and Ruth. Look at the story in Ruth chapter 4 and verse number 1. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat down there and behold the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by. You see, you see there was there was a kinsman that had the first dibs on the property. He had the first take to redeem the property, but there was something that was the next one in line. Boaz wanted the property because he wanted Ruth. He wanted to marry Ruth. And, and so he's talking to him, and he, he said to him, Ho, oh, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And, and he took, verse 2, and he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down, and he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi, that is come again of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of the people. If thou will redeem it, redeem it. But if thou will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. For there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. I want that property. Yeah, sound like a good idea. I just wanted to give you an advertisement. I wanted to tell you before it got on Facebook what's going on here. This property is available and needs a redeemer to redeem it. He said, I'll redeem it. I want that. Then, verse 5 says, Boaz, what day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead unto his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar my own inheritance. Redeem thou thy right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. Somebody say redeeming. redeeming. Changing. Redeeming. To confirm all things. A man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor and this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe and Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the, all the people, ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Melion's of the hand of Naomi. What happened is the one that had the right to the property and to the inheritance took off his shoe and says I now surrender that right to Boaz it was a surrendering of rights it was surrendering and said I'm giving this right to marriage amen a purchase became legal when the right of sale was lifted by the giving of the shoe. Pulling off of a shoe was a sign that, that, that his near kinsman said, I surrender. I don't want that. I'm not going to have that. I'm giving up that. You can take it. Amen. So 
of pulling off of the shoe was very important. So when God said to Moses, he said, Moses in the burning bush. What was the burning bush? God was about to give him a vision for his purpose. God was about to give him a vision for his destiny. God was about to speak to him about something very important. The deliverance of God's people from Egypt. He was going to give him direction. He was going to set him in the right place. So here is Moses on the top of Horeb, the same mountain as Sinai, a place that is desolate, a place that is thorny and dried up. And all of a sudden there's a bush that is burning, but it is not consumed. And he hears a voice coming out as he goes to, to look at the bush and he's going to go watch the bush and it's being burned. And, and he's very curious about why it isn't being burned up. And he gets closer to it and there's a voice that speaks out of the bush. Moses, pull off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. Do you realize that's the very first thing that God ever said to Moses that we have recorded? Pull off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. I want you to surrender your rights to me, Moses. I want you to surrender your right uh, of your future, your right of your destiny. He'd been a shepherd for 40 years. He lived in the palace for 40 other years. And now he's coming to the point where it's time for the exodus. It is time for deliverance. It is time for God to move. It is time for God to bring his people out. But before he can do that, before he can give Moses direction, before he can give Moses instruction, he says, you've got to pull off your shoes. I'm about to do something powerful. I'm about to do something spectacular. I'm about to do some three million people are coming out of Egypt. But before that can happen, you've got to pull off your shoes. What is he saying? Moses, if you want me to move, in your life you've got to surrender your right and your authority for every plan for what you want to do how you want to do it amen you are saying I surrender to you hallelujah somebody say pull off your shoes that's right pull off your shoes Moses you're on the verge of one of the most dramatic parties of emancipation in human history. Let me fast forward now some 40 plus years later where another leader of Israel is standing not on a mountain with a bush burning, but he's standing looking at the prospect of the promised land. He sees now not a bush burning, but rather he sees a, a, a town that has walls built up so high. I'll get this thing here in a minute. You can't get around the wall. In a town by the name of Jericho, you can't get on the, you know, it, it's, it's, it's impenetrable. You can't, you can't beat it by your own ways. And so, so Joshua is, is now praying and saying, oh God, I need a plan. Anybody ever been there? I can't, I can't beat this by myself. I can't overcome this by myself. We, we've got all these children of Israel, these, these, these ones that were born in the wilderness. They weren't born in Egypt. They were born in the wilderness, and they're chomping at the bits, getting ready to go into the promised land, and standing before us is an obstacle. Standing before us is a, is a hazard. It's, a, it's something that we cannot overcome. So Joshua is out contemplating how we're going to do this. What is going to be the plan? How are we going to make this victory happen? And if you look at the scriptures, you will see that Joshua chapter 5 picks up the story. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, 
He's standing by his, his impossibility. And he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Are you with me or are you against me? Who are you? Then the, 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 the one that lifted up his voice and said, Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. I'm not for you. I'm not against you. I'm not on your side. I'm not on Jericho's side. I am on the Lord's side. I am on the Lord's side. I've got the plan. I am the captain of the Lord's host. Hallelujah. Amen. And then he, Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said to him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot for the place whereon thou standest is holy and Joshua did so what is he doing he's preparing to march into the promised land he needs a plan he needs assistance he needs help with an impossible foe and what does God do he sends his answer and he says if you want the walls of Jericho to come down the first thing you've got to do is pull off your shoes Surrender, give up, give over, humble yourself. There's a lot of people, they want to see the walls of Jericho fall, but they haven't pulled off their shoe yet. Amen. There are those that says, I want to be victorious. I want to see my life as an overcomer, but they have not pulled off their shoe yet. What it is, is that the Lord is saying, I've got what you need, but before you can get to what you need, you need to surrender your rights. Surrender your rights to, it's my right to do this, and it's my right to do that. It's my right right to live this way. It's my right to be like this. Amen. Oh no, I don't have any rights. If I surrender to the Lord, I'm saying, oh God, take all of me. Not just part of me, but take all of me. Take my job. Amen, Lord, it's yours. Take my purpose, Lord, it's yours. If I'm going to conquer, I've got to be willing to cast my shoe off. Let me tell you, Following Jesus is a casting your shoe off experience. Jesus said in Luke 9 and 23, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall save it. It doesn't make sense. Give up. Turn over. Give in. Admit to God, God, I relinquish my rights. I'm vulnerable before you. This doesn't belong to me anymore. This property doesn't belong to you to me anymore. This family doesn't belong to me anymore. This job doesn't belong to me anymore. It's yours, oh God. I'm surrendering my right to you. I'm giving my right to rule my life. I want my life to go this way. I plan this, and I've got to have that. No, 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 no. You're facing a Jericho moment, then you've got to do the first thing and that is surrender surrender if any man will follow me Jesus said let him deny himself let him deny himself he also said a little bit later on in Luke 14 and verse 25 he said if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brother and sisters yea in his own life also oh that sounds harsh 
That sounds cruel, but what is he saying? He said, you can't be my disciple. For whosoever doth not bear the cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. If you're going to follow God, it requires surrender. If you're going to go after the Lord with all of your heart, it means taking off your shoe. Every concept of what you think it ought to be and how you think your life ought to be. It's taking off your true, your shoe and say, oh God, I must be willing to follow you at any at any cost. Somebody say amen. amen. It was Paul that said in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I am crucified. Somebody say crucified. Lord, I won't be crucified with you, but keep my right hand off. Because that's my gambling hand. Lord, that's my hand that I do this with and I do that with. Don't, don't, don't nail that hand. Lord, these feet, you can nail my hands, but don't nail my feet because I want to go where I want to go. You see, when you come to the Lord and you repent of your sin, he's looking for those that says, I'm all in with you, Lord. I am all in. I surrender all. Not just some, all. I surrender all. I surrender all. Have you surrendered all today? Have you surrendered every part of your life? Is there something clinging on that says, wait a second, that's not on the cross? I believe that everything ought to be on the cross. If we're going to see our Jericho fall before us, then we must be like Joshua and say, Captain of the host, you tell me what to do and I will do it. What? You want me to march around the city? That sounds crazy, but I relinquish my right to do it my way. What? You said to be quiet for all those days? Mm, man, I have the right to talk. I have the right. I need to say something, but I relinquished those rights before I ever got started. What? You want us to shout on the seventh day as we march the seventh time around it? It makes no sense. But you see, he relinquished his rights before he ever got to the plan. If you want God to move in you, be willing today to say, here's my rights. I want my right to have it my way. No, Lord, you take control. Consider with me just for a moment the situation of our world. The great mighty NBA brought to its knees because one guy got the virus. Places shut down that were, were establishments. I even heard they're closing casinos. Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> shutting them down. Shutting things down. Amen. I want to tell you, it, it, God can do stuff to shut anything he wants to down. He can move in whatever way. I'm not saying this is from God. I'm just simply saying God knows what he's doing. Amen. We need to surrender our rights. Lord, no matter what happens around us, no matter what the world does, you're in control. Not me. You're in control. The media is not in control. Thank God. Amen. The government is not in control. That's, that's okay. But, Lord, you're in control. I will not fear because I've taken my shoe off. I don't have a right to worry. I don't have a right to fear. I don't have a right to dread because I've released my shoe. I've taken it off. But there's another part of this that I want to show you is that while we take our shoes off, 
There comes a time when we must put our shoe on, but it's a different shoe. Look at Luke chapter 15. You know the story of the prodigal. When he came to himself, verse 17, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no, wor no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. That meant if at that moment he was wearing shoes, he took them off before he got home because hired servants did not wear shoes. Hired servants were known by their bare feet. They didn't have the distinction of wearing a shoe. And so he arose and came to his father, but when he was a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Amen. I want to tell you, when God sees you humbling yourself before him, Oh, please get this this morning. When God sees you surrendering, he's not waiting to condemn. He's waiting to run to you. He's waiting to reach to you and say, I see. I see your motive is pure. I see your heart is pure. I'm going to run and I'm going to embrace you. In verse 22, the, but the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Amen. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us be eat and be merry for this this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Hallelujah. To those that come to the Lord, they are going to have to surrender their rights. But it's not in vain. For when you surrender your shoes, when you take your shoes of your rights, your shoes of making your own choices, your own way, and having your way in life and my way in life, when we surrender our rights to him, that means we have taken off our shoes. But he reaches to us and he doesn't call us hired servants. He calls us sons. He calls us sons. And there's an anointing that comes with sons. There are privileges that come with sons. The ring is put on your hand. The robe is put upon your back. And shoes are put upon your feet. All of a sudden now that son steps on the property that is owned by his daddy. And he can say, I am owner just as well. I step on the property of my dad and I walk on that property because he doesn't call me a hired servant but he calls me his son. What is that? He relinquished his rights before he ever came back home. He surrendered his right treat me as a hired servant I'm coming to you without shoes I'm coming to you without my right therefore I come and submit to you completely and when he did his father said I see you boy I see you boy I see you the Bible says humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due season let me tell you it's not just about denying yourself it is about the empowerment that God wants to give you when you do deny yourself it is not about you saying God I love you and I'll give up family for you or I'll give up my own flesh for you it's not just about that it's about the father seeing you as you pull your shoe off to your own 
righteousness and your own rights and you say, God, I need you. He says, boy, I got a pair of shoes for you. Do I have a pair of shoes for you? I want to do the great exchange. I want you to go from being who you were in your own rights to now you come under my rights. Now you come under my authority. Now you come under my power. Ha! Ha! <laughs> Hallelujah. I didn't come to the Lord just as a broken man for nothing. He made me a son. Thank you, Lord. That's the very purpose. Christ has come to the world so that we can be born again to become sons, daughters of Christ. You see, in Scripture, the connection between shoes and feet are typically also seen as the power to tread victoriously. God promised Joshua 1 and 3, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. What you trample under is going to be yours. That could not happen until Joshua had a shoe exchange. The promise was there beforehand, but it didn't become a reality until he had a shoe exchange. The writer in Psalms chapter 44 and verse 4 says, Thou art my king, O God. Command deliverance for Jacob. Through thee will we push down our enemies. Through thy name will we tread them under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our enemy and hast put them the shame that hated us. In God we boast all the day long praise thy name. What happened is that I used to trust in my bow. I used to trust in my shield. I used to trust in my sword. I used to trust in my wisdom. I trusted in my knowledge. I trusted in my way of doing things. But the day I made a shoe exchange, all of a sudden, I now trust in the Lord. Yeah, I still got my sword. I still have my shield. I still have my weapon. But I trust in the Lord because of the shoe exchange. Let's fast forward to the New Testament. I don't know if any of you remember the old Dottie Rambo song. Walking in new shoes. Getting ready to move. Getting ready to move. Anybody remember that? I see some hands going up. God bless you. Look at Luke, Luke chapter 9 and verse number 1. Praise God. I don't think I give you the exact verse for this, Sister Shelley, and I apologize, but I want the verse where it says he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. You found that? Okay. Let's look at that verse again. And he called his disciples together and gave them power. Somebody say power. power. This word is dunamis in the Greek. And authority. Everybody say authority. authority. Exousia. I've said this to you before, but let me remind you what that is about. Look at Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. He said, Behold, I give unto you power, that's exousia, to tread on serpents, to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over the power dunamis of the enemy. Here's the deal. I don't know about you. I'm not stepping on a snake in my bare foot. 
I barely would want to even get close to a snake in my sneakers. I did one time. Stepped on a snake and didn't know it. I have never done this before. Never done it since. Never. Only one time. I honestly jumped straight up in the air and like Michael Jordan, I moved <laughs> in midair. Honest. I jumped straight up and didn't jump over. I jumped, jumped straight over and there was that snake. I stepped on that little thing. You wouldn't know it's bigger than, than about three quarters of an inch, but it, it, it looked like a mountain to me. Y'all know I don't like snakes. I don't like snakes. But if I'm going to tread on a serpent, I want something substantial, powerful. And so the Lord said that we are to put on to us the armor of God that we're able to stand in the evil day. And what did he say? Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. God gives us the shoes of authority so that we don't act in our own rights, but rather we act in his rights. Did not Jesus say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? That is a legal term to talk about his authority and power. So he said, I'm going to give unto you power. I'm going to give unto Greek exousia and dunamis power. Amen. I've likened that before to the gun. Dunamis is like the gun, the power that just, you've got the power to shoot. But exousia is the badge. It's the authority to use the gun. It's the power, it's the, you, you've got a delegated legal authority to pick up the gun and use it. I want to tell you today, when you have a shoe exchange, you will find the legal right to use the power of God for your situation. Use the power of God. Joshua couldn't, couldn't have victory over Jericho until he had a shoe exchange. Moses couldn't lead the children of Israel out of the wilderness or out of Egypt until he had a shoe exchange. Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, I want you to tarry in Jerusalem until, until you be endued with power from on high. What happened? The same ones that denied him were all of a sudden preachers for him. What happened? Shoe exchange, authority exchange, rights exchange. I want to have my way. Well, go right ahead. You won't conquer getting Israel out of Egypt. You can't get deliverance with just having my rights my way. You won't conquer Jericho, that things that are right before you. But I'm preaching to somebody today that God wants you this very morning to surrender some rights. Oh, I thought it would be this way. I thought I would have this. This was my life. I got it planned out. I'm going to do this. And the Lord is saying what you need is a shoe exchange. What you need is to take off your rights and put on his. When you do so, you understand that you're not just a hired servant, but you're a son. Authority. Stand with me, please. Authority to do what he wants us to do. Who's going to stand before the Lord? Who's going to stand before the Lord? Well, Heavenly Father, 
I now have your shoes on so I can come boldly to the throne of, of grace. Boldly to the throne of grace. I'll find mercy and favor in the time of need. I can come boldly before you. I surrendered this right so I can get the better right, the bigger right, the right, Lord, to step into your authority and power to speak as you would have us to speak. Praise God. Some of us are praying for mountains to move, but we haven't pulled our shoe off. Some of us are praying for God to step in and do something, but we still hold on to our rights. We hold on to our own way. Amen. But it is in letting go that we find power to overcome. Let me say it again. It is in letting go that we find power to overcome. Anybody here today wanting to overcome something? You need the power of the Spirit to deal with something? Amen. Let's just start with a few moments of surrender right here. A few moments of surrender. You are invited, those of you that can. I know we don't have a whole lot of room, but if you'd like to come and stand in the front. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.